We're free of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. We're going to be in the Word of God this evening in the Gospel of John in chapter 19. And I want to minister a sermon I've entitled The Illusion of Power. Amen. The Illusion of Power. Out of John 19, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. You point it in the direction I believe God wants to take us this, this evening. Hallelujah. The Bible says these words in John 19, verse 10. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you have the greater sin. Hallelujah. And here in our scripture tonight, there is a discussion about power. Power has and still is a major issue in our lives tonight. The reason it's an issue tonight is because people understand that power means you're going to call the shots. If you have the power, you're in control. And so this is why power is always this hot issue in our society. Wars are fought over power. We want the power. We want the ability to call the shots. We want the ability to direct things. And we understand power is what gives us that advantage point. And so there's always been a struggle for power. And the first struggle for power was in heaven. Hallelujah. Because even angels understood the issue of power. Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there found uh, uh, any more place uh, for them in heaven. And that great dragon... Um, was cast out that old serpent called, uh, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, uh, and his angels were cast out with him. And so this was a power struggle in the eternal heavens, where angels looked at the issue of power, and they decided that we want that. We see the power that God has, but you know what? We want that. We want to be able to call the shots. And so power, first of all, caused a war, a struggle in the eternal heavens. The second power struggle was here on earth. And that is recorded in the book of Genesis. We know the story. Adam and Eve, they're created by God. They're put into the Garden of Eden, given access to everything except one tree. I said, you don't touch that. And they begin to disobey that because there was a power struggle going on in their minds. And the Bible records this in Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of of Eden cherubims with a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so here was humanity saying, God, we see the power that you have. We acknowledge that as power. But you know what? We want that power. 
And so the power struggle again takes place. But if we notice in both of these struggles and both of these battles, it was God that was the victor. In the heavenly battle, it was the angels that rebelled that were tossed out. In the Garden of Eden, it was humanity who learned a hard lesson and the struggle for power. They were put forth out of the garden. And the Bible is making a statement about power. It is something that people desire. Hallelujah. So here we have the things that were created struggling to take power over the thing that created them. It doesn't make sense, but that's the way we are. God is all power, but we want that power. It's like one scripture says, shall the clay say to the thing that the one who made it, why have you made me thus? In other words, here's humanity saying, Lord, I know this is what I am, but I want to be that. I want the power to to call the shots. I want the power to do whatever I want to do. And so the problem, the reason why this struggle happens is we don't fully understand this issue of the free will. God created us with free will. And what that means is you can do anything you want. And you see, and God doesn't renege on his promises. He didn't say to Adam, well, you know, I gave you free will and you messed up, so I'm taking back your ability to make your choices. He didn't do that. God is not like that. When he gives something, it is, for, it is us. It's for us. He doesn't take it back. And so he gave man free will when he recreated him. He gave angels free will when he created them. But the problem happens when we don't fully understand free will. Free will does not mean we trump God's power. See, I can do whatever I want. You're absolutely right. But that does not negate God's power in the earth. Hallelujah. In Mark 12, 24, Jesus says to them, You do err. You do err because you do not know the scriptures, neither the power of God. And because people don't understand the word of God, they don't embrace the word of God, man makes a mistake over and over again that he has a greater ability or power than God. Therefore, uh, God is put to the side. He's not needed because we have the power to do what we want to do. Well, there's a truth to that in our free will. We, we absolutely have the right to do whatever we want to do because God designed it that way. But that does not negate God's power. Hallelujah. Religion or our decisions do not have the last word, but God does. I mean, people always want the last word. Amen. We want the last. It's like the story of the mother and her little boy, and uh, he sees it. He's a very rambunctious. He's moving around, and the mom sits him down and uh, sit down there, but he doesn't stay down. He's standing up again as he sits him down again, and he gets up again. And finally, she takes him and sits him down. Now stay there, and she and she holds him in the seat, and he looks at her and says, "Inside, I'm still standing up." Hallelujah! It's a power struggle, and this is where we make a mistake. We think that we have the ability to negate. What God wants. This is not a 20th century issue. This is a humanity issue. We see it in the book of Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. And Pharaoh said. 
Who is the Lord that I should obey him and his voice and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Here is humanity in a power struggle. God is saying, I want to release my people from bondage. I want to see them set free. And Pharaoh's response is, I'm the Pharaoh of Egypt. I have all power. I'm calling the shots here. This is the nature of humanity. We think that we have the last word. He's Pharaoh. He's seated on his throne. He's dressed in his royal robes. He's got his court there, his soldiers. And in his mind, he has the last word. <laughs> Hallelujah. We think we have the last word because we think we have all power. And we think that we can negate, we can override what God has said in the earth. Amen. And you see this in our society all the time. People say, well, I know what the Bible says, but. Oh, I know what the word of God says, but this is what I say. And this was Pharaoh's response. I listened. He says, I know what God says, but I'm Pharaoh. And I'm not letting the people go. I'm not going to respond to that. And he thinks that he has the last word. <laughs> and think about humanity today. People think they have the last word. But we're going to tell, well, I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. Amen. Well, you know what? Uh, most of us don't have enough to give away a piece of our mind. Amen. We need all that we got. But here's the, here's the, here's the problem. And it is, amen, humanity's false assumption. Humanity's false assumption. The great deception is, is that we are in control. Amen. This is the great deception. In our text, in verse 11, Jesus answered and said unto him, You could have no power at all against me, except the were given from above. Jesus is standing before Pilate. He is the ruler at that time in Jerusalem. He is the final authority in the eyes of man. And he's standing before Jesus and he said, listen, don't you understand something? He's talking to God in the flesh. Don't you understand something? I have the power to control you. I have the power to crucify you or to release you. And this is a false assumption. And Jesus as much tells him this. He says, you could have no power over me except it was given from my father above. He's telling Pilate, listen, you don't understand something. You're, you're drawing from a false assumption. And you're thinking that you're actually in control of what is happening. You and I are in the middle of a spiritual battle. People may not want to acknowledge this, but it's very true. We're involved in a spiritual battle. And human beings are designed in such a way as we are influenced in the battle. God has given us a free will, but there's an influence taking place in the human spirit. And you and I are going to be influenced by one side or the other. There's two sides in this battle. There's good and there's evil. There's no middle ground. So well, I don't want to I don't want to participate in this. You have no choice. There's good and there's evil. And they are both trying to influence. God is trying to influence us. And the devil is trying to influence us. And this is why I say there's a false assumption uh, that we think that we're doing our own thing. Hallelujah. 
Everybody thinks they're doing their own thing, but the problem is everybody's doing the same thing. Amen? Because there's a spiritual influence that is moving their lives. We'll be influenced by one side or the other, whether that is good or that is evil. In the early church, they began to give to the church and what God was doing. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, the Bible talks about a man named Ananias. It says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of the land. And he says something very interesting here. What he's saying is, you've been influenced. Evil or the darkness has influenced you to make this decision. Now no doubt Ananias was thinking, he's making his own decision. Well, you know what? I sold it for this much. And I know I told God I would give him this much. But I didn't think I was going to get that much when I sold it. So I'm going to keep a little bit more for myself. Well, I know I promised that to God. But I'm not going to give that like I had promised. And he thinks this is his own process of thinking. Not knowing it is the enemy influencing him. And so Peter brings this revelation to me. Ananias, the enemy has influenced your heart. You haven't simply made your own decision, but you've been influenced. He says, why has he filled your heart? And so as we live our lives in this realm and the decisions that we make, yes, ultimately there are decisions, but there's an influence there. There's an influence in our decision-making process. And I'm sure God was trying to speak to Ananias and said, listen, no, you made this promise, <clears throat> just do this, give this amount, it'll be fine, but here's the enemy on the other side saying, no, uh, uh, keep that for yourself, uh, don't keep your word, uh, keep that back, uh, and so you and I are faced this every day, don't we, the influence, the decisions that we want to make in life, all of a sudden, there's this pressure on this side. From that side. Ultimately we make the decision. But it's based on how we have been. Influenced. Amen. I was thinking back to the very first time. I, I shoplifted. Hallelujah. The influence. I'm, I'm in the toy aisle. I'm looking at all these toys. Amen. My parents already told me. We're not buying any toys. You can look. But we're not buying anything. And all of a sudden. I'm. Uh, this this thought, well, you know what? I could just take one of these and no one would know. Uh, but on the other side is this voice said, no, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. This is what life is built up. That influence uh, uh, upon our lives. And finally, I decided uh, uh, that I'm going to take me a hot wheel. <laughs> because in, in my mind, I made the decision, but I didn't realize I was being influenced spiritually. So lots of people think they're doing their own thing. And the devil likes that. He convinces you that you have power. You're in control. You're doing this totally autonomous. When the truth is he's influencing us by his spirit. Ananias was saved. And listen to this. He was saved. But he left his heart unguarded. See as we live for God. No we're not perfect. We understand that. But you have to guard your heart. Because this is where the enemy influences us. 
When we leave the heart unguarded, he moves in and begins to influence us to make decisions and then convinces us that we are totally autonomous from God and God cannot have the last word in our decisions. My pastor always says the heart is on a hinge, which means it can swing in any direction at any time. On a hinge. And the influence of that uh, begins to move it in different directions. And so our job tonight is to guard our hearts. Check the influence of our heart. Amen. Mark chapter 15 verse 10. This is amazing. Pilate is talking about Pilate. For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. In other words, he knew that the, the religious people... Has set Jesus up because of envy. They, when they saw the large, the large crowd that were coming to Jesus, they, they got envious. Hey, wait a minute! We're the chief priests. I mean, look at our robes, man. We, we've got gold. Uh, we've got the temple. Uh, this guy, he, he's nothing. Uh, he has nothing. And all the people are going to him. And envy began to rise. You know what envy is? Envy is, I want what they have. And they made a decision based on that. We're going, to, I'm, we're going to have ill influence against him. We don't want him to have what God has given him. And so they offer up Jesus out of envy. Not because he'd done anything wrong, but simply out of envy. Think of how many people today <clears throat> are making decisions based out of envy. They see someone blessed. They see someone's life accelerating and they begin to make decisions to try and bring that down, to begin to end that. This is a spiritual influence from hell itself, trying to destroy what God is trying to build. And so we must guard our hearts and our decisions. Titus chapter 3 verse 3. For we ourselves are also were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, <clears throat> serving different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And he says, "This, in other words, this is the capacity of human nature." That you and I within us can be influenced into all of these different areas that he spoke about to be foolish. I've never been foolish. I've been foolish. To be disobedient, to be deceived, uh, to have a desire uh, for these pleasures that are ungodly, and also to have envy and hatred. This describes humanity. People think that they're making their own decisions. Oh, well, you know what? We don't like those kind of people. We don't like those kind of people. And they don't understand this is a spiritual influence. They're not making their own decisions. But they've been influenced by a spirit. The devil influences us to be hateful. To be envious. To be, to be disobedient to God. This is the nature of the spiritual realm. 
in which you and I are trying to survive. When in fact, we think we're doing our own thing, yet we've been influenced by the enemy. And so the challenge tonight then becomes for you and I to identify what spirit is influencing us. Amen. And it's not very hard to, uh, dis- to discern that by the actions that are people taking in our world today. You know, the, the world has become completely lawless. Uh, where people don't respect the law, they don't respect other people's property, they don't respect other people's rights. So this is all a spiritual influence of the enemy. Just like the Pharisees are setting up Jesus, they planted false information about him, and then they take it before Pilate, and they said, we heard him say, we heard him blaspheme God, when nothing was true about that. But yet they did it, knowing it was a lie, because of envy. And so as you and I serve God, we simply always have to check our hearts. In other words, why am I making this decision? Why am I approaching this thing this way? Is that how God would approach it? And as we begin to examine our decisions, we can begin to see what is influencing us. Hallelujah. Is it the word of God or is it Hollywood? Hallelujah. See, the world will always influence you and I to things that are against God. This is how you can tell what the influence is. Godly influence comes from the Spirit of God. Anti-God influence comes from the devil. And the world is filled with this. And the deception is we're doing our own thing. You know, back in the 60s, yes, I'm that old, hallelujah. Back in the 60s, the cry was, we're doing our own thing. We just want to be free. We don't want the restraints that our parents had. We don't want that straight-laced life. Uh, We want sex, drugs, and rock and roll. uh, And uh, uh, all the hippie generation. Uh, We're just going to do our own thing, not knowing it was the devil destroying their lives. (laughs) And the false assumption is, we are doing our own thing. And that same spirit is true today. The same thing is happening today. We don't want the status quo of the Bible. We don't want that Christian stuff. We're going to do our own thing. And they don't understand they're being influenced. We're not doing our own thing, but we're showing who's influencing our lives. So this brings us to reality. The way to sober up our minds is to understand who has the final word. Who has the final word? Oftentimes, I mean, this, sometimes this is why some arguments never end. Because we want the last word. You say something, and I'm going to say the last word. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say that, and it never ends. Because everybody wants the last word. Because they figure if you got the last word, then my point's going to stick. This is how humanity views God. We want the last word, and God says this is what it is. No, we say something else at the end because we want the final word. But the reality is, God has the final word. See, this is going to prove who has true power. Whose word 
stands. But Yahoo's word stands. When it's all said and done, whose word will stand? Man is making great claims against God. He's making great uh, speeches of how God is not in control, of how God has no say in the realm of our lives. We are independent beings of God. Yeah, he may have created us, but then he just stepped back and let us do our own thing. And we have the final say so. But the reality is God is going to have the final word because he has true power. Back in our main text, Pilate says, you're not going to answer me? Don't you know I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And he's under this false assumption that he has the last word. I'm Pilate. I'm the governor. I have control. I have the support of Rome behind me. My word is the final word, Jesus. So you better answer me. Hallelujah. All the people who heard Pilate say this say, yep, he's got the final word because he's the governor. Whatever Pilate says is what goes. And so Jesus, you, you better begin to respond correctly because Pilate has the last word. Because they thought power, Pilate had true power. I mean, no man's power is always temporary. No matter how big the army, no matter how big the company or the reputation, men's power is temporary power. Hallelujah. So because of this false deception, we read in Matthew 27, verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. In other words, he says, see, I told you, Jesus, I had the last word. You wouldn't answer me. You wouldn't respond like I wanted you to. I'm condemning you to death to be crucified. And he released him to be crucified. And what this is saying is, I have the last word. I told you that. And this is man's mentality. That concerning even eternity, we think we have the last word. People say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. So I'm not going to have to stand before any throne for judgment. I can live any way I want to live because all that judgment stuff is from a God I don't even believe exists. And I have the last word because I'm an atheist. (laughs) Pilate says, I have spoken and he's going to be crucified. Your life is going to end and that's it. But the problem is Pilate was operating under a false assumption. And I want you to remember this. God always has the last word. We read in Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. Here's God saying, I've got the last word. He says, whatever I speak with the word that goes out of my mouth, it is not going to come back void. How many know many of the things that you and I speak come back void? 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Oh yeah, I promise this and that. But it comes back void. We don't. We, we don't. We can't make it happen. But here's God saying, whatever I speak, whatever word goes out of my mouth, you can count on this. It will be accomplished. It doesn't matter how difficult it may sound, how impossible it might seem. He's saying, my word will always accomplish what I send it out to do. Remember what Pharaoh said to Moses? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I'm not going to let them go. And I'm Pharaoh and my word is the last word. But yet we read in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 8. Because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. And redeemed you out of the house of bondmen of the land of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Pharaoh said, I will not let you go. And that's the final word. Get back to work. Make more bricks. I'm not letting you go. But God says, I'm going to release my people. And the end result is Israel was brought out of bondage. Listen tonight. That speaks to you and I. Because we may have a Pharaoh in our life. We may be in the bondage of our own personal Egypt. We're making bricks for the devil's kingdom. But God is saying, I've spoken a word concerning you. I'm going to bring you out from that. But the devil will tell you, oh, you'll never get set free from this. You'll never get out of this bondage. You'll never get set free. But God is saying, I have the last word. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many times the devil spoke to me and said, you'll, you'll never, you'll never be right. You'll, you'll never get your sanity. You'll never get your life together. This is the way you're always going to be. And for 30 years he was right. But the Bible had spoken something else that God so loved us. And he says, I'm going to bring you out of your Egypt. I'm going to break the power of Pharaoh. I'm going to release you. And here's the Bible rehearsing this. Remember what God said. He has the last word. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Remember this. The devil does not have the last word. Write that down on the table of your heart. As the devil is speaking to you, he's uh, 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 speaking, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, this will never change, that will never change, You're always going to be this way, mark it down, he does not have the last word. Hallelujah. Jesus has the last word. So Pilate released him to be crucified. He's nailed to a cross. He's taken down off the cross. He's laid in a tomb. A stone is rolled in front. Roman guards are set in front. And the statement that the humanity is making is to God of heaven. See God, we told you, we have the last word. We've taken that Jesus, scourged him, crucified him. We've put him in a tomb. We roll the stone in front. There's no possible way he gets out. We have the last word, God. But then we read in John chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not ascended to my Father, 
But go and tell my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father, to your father, and to my God and your God. This is after his resurrection. And what God is saying is, I have the last word. You've done your best to thwart what I want to do. Yes, you nailed him to a cross. Yes, you put him in the tomb. Yes, you rolled a stone in front. You sent a Roman guard to secure it. But I have thwarted all of that because I have the last word. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And he has the last word tonight. It doesn't matter the situation that you're in. You may feel like like Jesus did. He's in this tomb. He's been wounded. He, the stone is rolled in front. And the mindset is, this is a dark place. There's no way out of this place. But the Bible says, there came a great earthquake. And the word of God was released from where man had tried to bury it, amen. Maybe the devil's trying to bury the word of God in your life so that you think the devil has the last word. But tonight it is God who has the last word. See, power belongs to the one who has the last word. And I'm going to tell you something, in eternity, God's going to have the last word. Doesn't matter what we think, doesn't matter what we say, God has the last word. And so tonight, if you're in a power struggle tonight, you say, I have free will, I can do whatever I want to do, that's absolutely true. But I want to tell you something, God has the last word. And that we will trust him. Doesn't matter how the devil threatens, doesn't matter how things may be going today or tomorrow or next week. I mean, no, things were not going good for Jesus, amen. <laughs> Wasn't looking real good for him when they were whipping him and scourging him. Wasn't looking real good when they marched him down the Via Dolorosa and up to the hill called Calvary. It wasn't looking good when they began to nail the, his hands and his feet. It wasn't looking good when they pierced his side. Amen. It wasn't looking good when they took him down and laid him in the tomb. It certainly wasn't looking good when they rolled the stone in front. Ever feel like the devil's rolled a stone in front of your life? That's it. You're never going to get out. You're sealed in, but God has the last word. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has the last word. And he has the ability to resurrect. See, true power is in the word of God. And we have to begin to make a decision. Lord, I'm going to let you influence me. I'm going to let your word direct me. Because that's how we get out of our tombs tonight. Not by positive thinking. Not by meditation. It is by the word of God that you and I can be released from our tomb tonight. See, you have to acknowledge tonight, God, you have all power. When we come to that reality, because listen, we have free will. We can do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. But when it's all said and done, God's going to have the last word. As I told you, my uncle has just gone into eternity. And I can see he's going to be with Jesus because the last time we visited him, we prayed with him. Dying of cancer. 
prayed with them. And because of that, God has the last word. He has the last word. It is so true in our lives tonight. What we have to do is say, God, you have the last word. Lord, I may be in a tomb tonight. I may be crucified tonight. I may feel, but God, you have the last word. Because he really does. The devil doesn't get to say the last word. You know, I have a picture in my mind of when God is all said and done. God's, he's brought in those he's saved. And then the devil shows up. Hey, God, that one doesn't belong in there. And they don't belong in there. Look what they're doing. And the devil, and, and God just slaps his lips off. Shut up, devil. <laughs> Get out of here. Because God has the last word. Not the devil. If we'll begin to embrace that. Because what God speaks to us is always encouragement. God always speaks positive things to us. And that's how you know who's influencing you. When you begin to feel uh, those unclean thoughts, that's saying the devil's influencing you. But when there's thoughts of peace and of joy and of righteousness, that's God to us. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. Tonight, we live in a world that's in a spiritual struggle. And I can speak tonight from a personal perspective. Because much of my life was lived ignorant of this truth. And I truly thought I was doing my own thing. Not knowing that hell was moving me further and further from the destiny that I longed for. I wanted peace. I wanted joy. The influence moved me away from those things. Tonight, I want to encourage you that God has the last word. And He has spoken words concerning our lives. He's told Israel, I'll bring you out of Egypt. He told Jesus, I'll raise you from the tomb. He's speaking those same things in this generation. I don't care how far you are in Egypt. I don't care how big the stone in front of your tomb is. God has the last word. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight in the house of God. If you're watching online as well, you're not saved tonight. You're not right with God. Maybe the enemy has influenced your thinking to where you think you're doing your own thing. But as you look, you see you're not doing the will of God. Tonight, if you're not saved or you're backslidden, your heart's away from God tonight. I want to implore you tonight. I want to encourage you tonight to give God the last word by saying, Lord, I need you to move in my life again. I'm not right. I need a miracle. Lift your hand and I say, pray for me, Jesus. I, I, I need your help tonight. God wants to give you the victory tonight. He wants to help you tonight. He wants to do a miracle in your life. But you have the free will tonight. You can say, God, I don't want that. I'm going to keep trying to do this my way. Or you can say, God, tonight I surrender. I surrender all. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. The altar's open tonight. You stand. We're going to come before the Lord tonight. If you're watching online, 
and you're not right with God, you're in a bondage tonight, you're in your own personal Egypt, but you want out of that tonight, Jesus Christ will do a miracle for you. Hallelujah. Oh, if you're watching online tonight, you're not right with God, but you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray for you tonight. Hallelujah. Understand that tonight, church, God has the last word. Your fate is not sealed in cement tonight because God can change everything. But you're going to have to surrender to him tonight. Jesus Christ will do a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. He's a faithful, faithful God tonight. Won't you come and let him help you this evening? Won't you let Jesus roll away the stone from your tomb? Won't you let him have his way in your heart? Amen. He's calling you. He's reaching out to you. He wants to do a miracle. But you've got to relinquish power to him. You've got to say, God, you've got the last word. My life can be changed. You're watching online. You're not right with God. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I acknowledge there's sin in my heart. But I want to repent of that sin tonight. I believe you died on the cross. And that you rose from the dead. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe I have eternal life. Through your sacrifice. Jesus come into my heart. And be my personal savior. And I ask this in Jesus name. Hallelujah. The Bible says that's the beginning of a new life for you. The stone has been rolled away. Jesus Christ has a powerful destiny for you. Jesus is alive in you now. And has a great, great promise for you. Hallelujah.